0: John 15, 15. I love this. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Do me a favor and repeat after me. He calls me friend. He calls me friend. One more time. He He calls calls me me friend. friend. He calls you friend. He calls me friend. Now, there's a couple of things that can happen when we hear he calls me friend. And I I would venture to guess that the same things can can happen um, if you hear he is your father or if you hear God loves you. One of the main things that happened is because we're all in this world, we have encountered people who said they were our friends, and they didn't necessarily act like our friends. We have encountered, you know, we had a certain, uh, maybe had, we don't know how our earthly father was to us, so we kind of take, we start developing perceptions. We develop, through the course of our life experience, And dealing with people who say they love us or who say they're our friends, we develop coping mechanisms or defense mechanisms. We kind of chop that up and make our own definition of what is a friend. Or what does it mean when someone says they love me? Or what do you mean that God is my father figure? Because I'm going to measure that against my earthly father figure. See, we take it into here. we take it through those experiences and out pops our definition of the word. But the problem with that is this is God's word. And it's not right to measure what he says against worldly experiences. (laughs) He's higher than that. He's different than that. We can't take when you hear he calls you friend i challenge you not to take it up into here but to take it directly into your heart into your spirit our spirit is perfect we have to hear it with our spirit i know that rhymes isn't that see you hear it with your spirit yeah. you have to hear it with your spirit because if you don't and you're not a bad person for doing this. I'm not a bad person for doing this. If you don't, it will naturally filter through your definition because of your life A friend. Let's take a look at Ephesians 3.17. We're talking about how you have... When he calls you friend, we're going to be talking about His friendship, relationship with God. He wants to remind you tonight that it's all about relationship. And sometimes, without realizing it, we fall into religion. But hang on, stay with me. Ephesians 3, 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, 18 may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Jake, will you put 17 back up there for me for a second? I want you to see something. We know this scripture. We know this scripture. We've heard the scripture a lot. But it says that you being rooted and grounded in love. That word love, the Greek is agape, okay? Being rooted and grounded in agape. And then it goes on to say, if you're rooted and grounded in agape, then you're able to comprehend with all the saints. Then and only then are you able to do that. 1 John 4, 8, hold that thought. 1 John 4, 8. I'll turn there. 1 John 4.8 says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Two guesses as to what the Greek word for love is in that. Agape. God is agape. So if we go back to Ephesians 3.17, you can read it like, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in. In God in agape it is then and only then that we can even begin to comprehend because when he says I call you friend he doesn't mean someone who accepted your friend request on Facebook I mean social media has done a lovely job of completely blowing up the meaning of the word friend right I mean it really has I get these friend requests from people that I don't know. So here's what happens in our house. I get a friend request. I don't know their name. And I say, honey, do you know this person? Are they from Tulsa? Do you know who they are? And he says, yeah, I think. And then I'm sitting there. Now I'm in a quandary because I'm sure they're a nice person, but I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to reject their friend request. I'm a little stuck. It's like, I'm sure you're nice. But I feel like I'm kind of breaking up with somebody I don't even know. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not you, it's me. I'm just going to ignore this friend request. Okay? Trust me, it's not you, it's me. But we we just the world has just mangled the meaning of the word friend. And if we take it through here, when he says I call you friend, you won't even begin to capture what he means by that, and the relationship that he's looking to have with you. That word friend is philos. When he says in John, I call you friend, the Greek for that is philos. I like Greek. Every time pastor gives us a Greek or Hebrew word, I'm, I'm writing it somewhere. Um, I, I just enjoy that because it gives me a little bit more meaning. Um, philos means a loved one, a beloved An affectionate friend. A loved one, a beloved, an affectionate friend. And he calls you friend. He calls you friend. Matthew 28 20 says he's loyal. He assures us that he's with us always. He is not that friend that said, No, I'll never leave you, and then leaves you. He's not that friend. He's loyal. He's trustworthy. Hebrews 13.8 says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, this is Jesus' definition of friend. John 14.6 assures us he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before you were even formed in the womb, he knew you. And I love Psalm 139. You can't even possibly start to think about or preach on how much God loves us without going to Psalm. I can't. I have to go to Psalm 139. Because, and, and it's often misquoted because people will say, well, his thoughts about me are more than the sand. It, hang on. Because my cynics would go, oh, yeah, well, what's he thinking? But the, the scripture says his precious thoughts, his precious thoughts. how precious also are your thoughts to me, O oh God. how great is the sum of them And he calls you friend. He wants to have relationship with you. See the scripture John 15:15 15, 15, I find it very interesting. Jesus was talking with the disciples, and this is the time when he knew his time on the earth was coming to an end. Now, I know that everything that Jesus said while he was on the earth, he only said what his father told him to say, and he only did what his father told him to do. But I can't help but find his timing of this particular um, statement interesting. It was towards the end. And what I go to is when my mom was on hospice, We didn't know how much time we had with her. We knew her time on Earth was coming to an end. And if you've ever had a loved one like that, then you know what I'm talking about. When you find out, you realize that your words get very deliberate at that time. I made sure that there were certain things that I said to her, and I may have said them 35 times. And I could see on multiple occasions where she was doing the same. So I find it interesting that when Jesus chose to specifically tell the disciples and to tell us that he calls us friend, it's when he knew his time on the earth was getting short and he wanted to make sure we knew. He just wanted to make sure you knew. He calls you friend. He wants to have a relationship It is about relationship, right? Not religion. Yes, amen. We're so good at saying that. I've said it many, many times. Sadly, we can be just as good at forgetting it. Now, hang on. I'll explain. I'll tell on myself to explain. And maybe some of you can relate to this, and maybe some of you can't. I'll tell you a time where I forgot it. I had a circumstance that was very, very important to me. It was near and dear to my heart. I wanted it resolved so badly. I struggled to think about anything else. So I read the word and I grabbed scriptures and I quoted the scriptures and I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. And nothing happened. So I didn't say anything to my husband. And I read the word, and I quoted my scriptures, and I did everything I was supposed to do, at least what I thought, and nothing happened and I kept doing this, and i didn't want to tell i didn't want to tell Dave because I kept thinking, what am I doing wrong okay i'm just I'm just not believing enough i I know I don't have enough faith. by the way, what does that even mean when we say that? Yeah. But we say it i, I I don't, I don't have enough faith. Because nothing's happening. Then I just flat got mad and frustrated. Nothing's happening. Are you kidding me? Nothing is happening. So my poor husband, I still remember he was in the kitchen, and he had no idea what was about to hit him. <laughs> because I was not mad at him. I was just mad. And therefore, what I like to call passionate, let's just say my volume was a little high, okay? And I came downstairs, and and I'm really going to tell myself, I kind of came at him. I kind of came at him like, okay, you're a pastor. (laughs) You tell me why. This is a true story. I am, this is a true story. You tell me why this hasn't happened. And I I started going. I said, I have read the word. I have quoted scriptures. I have prayed about it. I have done everything. And then I stopped. And Dave is looking at me like, what in the world? (laughs) And fortunately for Dave, the Lord gave me the answer when I heard myself speak. (laughs) I had read the word check I had quoted the scriptures check I have I have prayed about it check well I tell you I hadn't cast my care on it I had not given it up I was still very much obsessed with my issue and my circumstance and my heart was in the wrong place See, religion isn't about a certain action or whether your bulletin has the schedule in it or has the prayer written out. We we kind of think of a lot of different things when we hear the word religion. And, And sometimes I think we think because we don't have that bulletin with the prayers written out that we think we're safe. Well, I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't keep me safe all the time. It's not about a particular action that you're doing or not doing. It's about where's your heart turned to? My heart was in the wrong place. And he said, I call you friend. He said, Leanne, I call you friend. I want to have a relationship with you. You're using me as a means to an end. And I was. And, and it can be hard sometimes when we really have, we have that symptom that just doesn't want to go away. Or we have that circumstance that is so close to our heart and we want it resolved so badly. It's challenging not to come in here and hear the anointed word and hear about all these wonderful tools that were given and not take them in as a checklist. Have you ever done that come with your heart so heavy that you come into here and you sit down and pastor Tony starts speaking the anointed word and he reminds us of of the of the beautiful word of God and the truth of the word and the powerful tools that we have and all I'm thinking is okay he said I need to do this <laughs> and I write it I even if I don't write it down that way I click it up here that way so then I leave So that I can apply that checklist. I'm challenging you to throw your checklist out. He wants to challenge you to throw your checklist out. Because what can happen, confession is a beautiful, powerful sword. If you notice when Pastor Tony tells us about it, what does he always say? It is written. Grab that sword. It is written. And then he just kind of moves on. You know why? Because when we're using confession, it's because even when you've cast your care of the enemy, he's still going to keep bugging you. So we use confession that we, we quote the word, it is written to shut him up. But really the next step is to turn back to the Lord and keep moving. Okay, Lord, what are we doing for somebody else today? What are we doing for somebody else today? Because I know you got that. Because you call me friend. And and you're my BFF. I mean, there, there isn't a better BFF. Yeah. There is no better friend. You cannot filter his definition. You cannot filter the reality, the truth of his friendship through your definition, through that, all that slicing and dicing that goes into your, when it comes in through here, do not take it in through here. It has to come in through here. It cannot be comprehended otherwise. Sometimes when the situation gets so loud, We don't realize that we haven't cast it. I didn't realize I had not cast my cares. But the word tells us to cast our cares, right? We know we're supposed to cast our cares, and I knew I was not going to be. I think the Lord thinks it's funny when he takes my logical brain and makes me go all around in my notes. <laughs> First Peter 5, 7. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares... Upon him, for he cares for you. First Peter five: seven. He cares for you. All your cares. It's Marimma. Marimna in the Greek. Distractions, anxieties, burdens, worries. Distractions, anxieties, burdens, worries. We have to cast it. Doug Jones has a a Humility 101. It's an older um, sermon of his that I love, and and I've I've danced for the ladies because he does a dance. He talks about humility. We have to humble ourselves. Humbling yourself means get over yourself, right? It means casting your cares. It means stop thinking about how do I fix this? Stop thinking about that. It isn't yours to fix. Cast your care and move forward. We are to be his hands and feet. But Doug says he has a three step and he's kind of a soft shoe, I think, because he's a pretty good dancer when he does this. But he says when we're when we're proud, you know, we think sometimes um We don't realize sometimes it's pride when it's pride, but when we're proud, we kind of look like a little kid just kind of coming up against the Lord, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I totally was that kid. But, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you're not the boss. You know, it's like kind of like that kind of look. And he says the first thing you have to do is you have to retire from those thoughts. You have to withdraw from your plan. And then you have to yield to his plan. So the three steps is first you're like this. Because if you don't realize it, if you have not given him your care, whether you realize it or not, you're in pride. Because you think you can fix it. Now, don't be too hard on yourselves. I mean, I, we, we kind of grow up thinking, you know, we kind of learn how to, I'm going to fix it. Something's wrong, I'm going to fix it. But he calls you friend. And he says, Hey. I'll take it. So we have to retire, withdraw, and yield. Retire, withdraw, and yield. And receive his friendship. Receive his love. Without the filters. Without the filters. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Second Chronicles sixteen nine. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the entire earth to show Himself strong, on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. We talk about we hear those verses. Um, I was so glad that Dave did the offering tonight because I, I don't I'm not good at offering. Messages. Um, but you hear a lot, you hear that scripture about a cheerful giver. Well, what does that mean? It just means a humble heart. It just means you're in relationship. It just means you're not doing it because you feel like you have to do it. It means your heart is set on Him. It's not in the action itself. It's in your heart. But we get caught up in actions. Pastor Tony, even, I wrote this down. He asked us this on Sunday. He said, have you ever thought your prayer would be answered because of something you did? See, it's, it's, it's challenging because from the time we're five, you know, we start off at five or six and, we, and we're and we taken into a classroom. And And... And we start, for the next 12 years, we go from classroom to classroom, and we kind of get this mentality of classroom mentality. You know, and and the teacher tells you, you figure out what you have to do. If I do this, I get an A. If I do a little less, I get a B. Oh, okay, I'll do the bare minimum, I'll get a C. And, And we have this mentality, this classroom mentality, if you will, of what do I have to do to fix this? What do I have to do to get an A? And we bring that classroom mentality into here. But all that's going to get you into is works because you're going to be looking for, what do I have to do to fix this? And the Lord is standing there going... Give it to me. I've got some people that need your testimony. I've got some people that need your time. I've got a beautiful new lady that I want you to have coffee with, you know? Just give it to me and be my hands and feet. See, if you look around, this isn't a classroom. If you look around at each other, look around for a minute. You're looking at the body of Christ. Amen. We're to be the body of Christ. We're to be his hands and feet. See, we're supposed to start getting good at this, right? We get we're supposed to start being good at casting our cares and moving on and not trying to confess over our obsession. Confession over obsession. If you're not thinking about anything else, my darling, you're obsessing. You have not cast your care. I'm sorry. I've been there. But I got to tell you, if you're not thinking about anything else, if you're nonstop confess, 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 stop and give it to him. Let it go. Retire, withdraw, and yield. Confession does not override your disobedience. It's all about your heart. What is your motive? He wants relationship. The very reason for Jesus coming to earth was relationship. The reason for the cross was relationship. You know, we're in the Easter season. And we take this time, and I love the Easter season, we take this time to remember exactly what Jesus did for us. The relationship was broken with the fall in the garden. So the perfect lamb came to earth in the form of a man and was crucified on the cross with all of our sins, all of your sickness, all of your distractions, all of your anxieties, everything on him. To take it away. Jake, can I have that picture? To open a way for a relationship. It was all about relationship. This is not a picture of defeat. No. This is a picture of immeasurable love. This is a picture of Victory for you and for me. And on him, and and this is the closest thing that we have, but ladies and gentlemen, this is not even as bad as it was. The scripture tells us he was unrecognizable as a man. The relationship had been broken. There were things in between. And God said, no, no. I need that out of the way. So he sent his son to take everything, anything that could or would ever bother you, any symptom that tries to come on you, poverty, lack, any distraction, any anxiety, family relationships, you name it, he took it. He took it. So really when you're casting your care, he already took it. He just wants your heart. When you cast your care, it turns your heart in the right direction. He said, it is finished. And when he said, it is finished, it was done. Let's keep that up there for a minute. I'm going to read you just a couple of scriptures. I'm going to go to John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. He calls you friend. Friend. See, this is why you cannot comprehend this here. It isn't even fair to him to try. You can only comprehend this When you look to him, when you're rooted and grounded in him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jake, can you put up Ephesians 2.13? When Pastor Edwin was preaching not too long ago, he was telling us and reminding us how we have access. And I love that. It was such a beautiful message. And I told him afterwards I said, yeah, I'm probably going to steal something from you. <laughs> well, this is it. Because it's he's it's so scriptural and it's such truth. We have access. That's the relationship that we have. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The cross was about restoring the relationship with you. That's what it was about. And I know sometimes, you know, the enemy, he loves to come. He comes to me. You know, life can get busy sometimes. And, and, and sometimes by the time you put your head back on the pillow, you think, I'm going to read, and then you're just, your eyes are almost crossing. Yeah. And, you know, have you ever had that happen? I've had that happen. And your day and day after day can get away from you, and then the enemy loves to come at us. So, so then I start feeling guilty, and the enemy comes at me and says, "Well, you know, you you haven't read anything, so you probably you probably shouldn't go talk to him." <laughs> oh, he's such a liar. You know, the word calls him the father of lies. I mean, to be called the father of lies, he never tells the truth. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Well, I want to remind you of something. John 1.1 1, 1 says he is the word, right? We know John 1.1. 1, 1. He is the word. So here's the best news I'm going to tell you all night. He's with you all day, every day. And what's, how do you develop a friendship? How do you develop a relationship? You talk to him. We talk to each other. That's how, I mean, it's, this isn't rocket science. You know, I, I, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm a registered nurse, and I spent some time working at a hospital, and I had a number of patients, and I was always ready. It's like, okay, Lord, I can, I'm going to go in, I'm going to preach, let's do this. You know, and I would, I, I'd have a, f- a few patients who were obviously in difficult situations, abusive relationships, addictions, a variety of things. And I just wanted to love on them and respect them. I found that they had almost probably never been treated with respect. Um, But I would always say, Lord, what what do you want me to say? I'm ready. I got some time. I'm going to go in. I can do this. Every time, do you know what he said? Tell him I want to talk to him. He wants to talk to you. See, we, we, we think we've got to have all these pretty words and all this great stuff, and we got to get ready, and we got to get set. And, oh, we did this wrong, so we probably shouldn't go talk to him. And he's going, hello, I'm here. Knock, knock, knock. I call you friend. You're really good friends. Think of somebody who's your really good friend. If you're hurting or you did something that you're concerned about, do you shy away from them and not tell them, or do you go tell them and talk it out? If they're a good friend, you're telling them and you're talking it out. See, we make it really difficult. Works and religion gets us into the law. You know, that there's three different terms that we use, right? It's all the same thing. It gets heavy and we make it difficult. And then we feel like we failed. And then we feel like we failed him. And then we feel like he loves us less. Because, again, that's one of those definitions up here, right? Somebody can love us less or more. Or maybe just like us. Or maybe like, like us. <laughs> remember? But he never changes, remember? Remember? And there isn't anything that can separate you from his love. So the enemy just loves to get us to not talk to him. To think that we have to be dressed up, cleaned up, shined up, whatever, to go talk to him. But in his days when he had limited time left on the earth, he specifically said, I call you friend. I no longer call you servants. I call you friend. It was important to him that you knew that. It was important to him that his disciples knew that. It was, it's important to him. And what he was about to do was take on everything that had separated God from us and remove it. It is finished so that he could have that friendship, that relationship with you. It isn't about how many chapters you read. I that may blow you away. I, I here I got I got another one. This will really curl some toes. Um, I had I had a summer where I I read one scripture all summer long. One scripture. Oh my stars! The Lord had talked with me. He had given me that scripture, and. He was helping me grow up in something that I was struggling with, an area that I was struggling with. Now I had read the scripture. I had read the chapter a number of times, but he knew that I didn't really know how to live the scripture. So for it turned out to be an entire summer, an entire summer, um, he said, "Just that scripture." And he told me, "I'm going to show you how to live that scripture." Because he knew I needed to know how to live that scripture, because the fact that I didn't was causing stress in my life. So one scripture, he even specifically, because he knows me, said, "Now don't read the one ahead or the one don't don't, not until I tell you to." Now you think I'm? But he really did say that to me. It's it's like he he knows me, he knows me. He knew I would. I always like to. I'm in the. Con, what's the context? You know. He said, just this scripture, I'll tell you when you can read others. And you know what I learned? That scripture became so real to me, so beautiful to me. And I'm not perfect at it yet, but I'm learning. I've grown in it, and I'm learning. That's the living word. See, the checklist would tell you one scripture in three months isn't enough, but i got to tell you I've experienced otherwise. Now, sometimes he's pulled me to a whole book. My, what's my point? My point is talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him like a friend. Tell him how you're feeling. Lord, this circumstance is really loud to me. It's near and dear to my heart. But I know that you love me, and I know that it is finished, and I'm giving it to you, and now I want to be your hands and feet. Now I want to be your hands and feet. In John 3:16, we know, we know this scripture. We can say this scripture. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life everlasting life Now turn over to John 17:3 And we know this it's just a reminder John 17:3 And this is eternal life, that they may know you, you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now I'll let you in on a secret. Everlasting in John 3, 16 and eternal in John 17, 3 are the same Greek word. In other words, that we can have eternal life, that we can know him, that was the point. That was the point, so that you can know him, so that he can have that relationship with you, so that he can be close to you. Otherwise, we get caught up. We get caught up, and we start developing a checklist, and we start going through that checklist, and then we get frustrated, and we don't know why. But what if... Let's say you had a symptom in your body like your right knee was hurting. And what if you said, Lord, my right knee is being snarky. So I'm giving that to you because you're my creator. And it, whatever it is has no authority in my body. I stand on that. I thank you. Now, who can we bless today? And anytime the enemy tries to come at you or the knee, no. It is written, and it is finished. My right knee is healed. Now, Lord, who can we bless? What do you have for me to do today? How can I be your hands and feet? See, I'm speaking out of experience, even with the right knee. Notice I'm not limping or anything. And it was about two weeks later, and I thought, huh, was the last time I felt knee pain? I know that was really silly that I actually stopped to think about. It's was like, why would I stop to try to focus on that? <laughs> but it dawned on me, I don't know when the last time I had felt knee pain. Well, praise God. Matthew 6.33 Maybe, just maybe, Matthew 6.33 means what it says. Huh, there's a thought. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. Now, I'm sure there's other scriptures that say a very similar thing. But even if there were only one, how many do you need? Right? Right? We just need one. They're all the truth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. What are your all these things? He knows. He knows what my all these things are. He knows what your all these things are. He says, "Uh, just look to me, friend. I call you friend. Talk to me. Let's walk this thing out. But don't you carry any of that. You give that to me because I've got stuff for you to do. Remember the Great Commission? See, we're not, when we get caught up in works, we stop being fruity. (laughs) And we want to be fruity, we want to produce fruit. And if we're caught up in works, and there's someone at your job that's watching you, and even you may not know that they're watching you, they're seeing you caught up in works because it's coming out, whether you know it or not, one way or the other. Wouldn't you rather them see you peaceful in the middle of the storm? And they're thinking, well, at first they're probably thinking, what's wrong with that girl? Does she even know what's going on? But over time... I'm guessing they're going to switch to, what does she have? I want that. See, when we have a relationship with him, that's when we're abiding with him, and that's when in him we live and move and have our very being. So when we establish that relationship with him and throw our checklist away and let the Holy Spirit guide us, On things, you know, he who, Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you. We let him work, work things out. He knows. We let him work things out. He develops gifts and abilities in us. He takes our cares. He shows us ways to bless others. There just isn't much better than blessing somebody else. your all these things will be added you you may have even forgotten about them by the time they got added you forgot you even wanted them it just happens i don't know how i just know it does he calls you friend but the challenge is not to take that in up here We talked about this in Lyft. We talked about it when saying that God loves us. We do, Like I said, we do the same thing when we hear God loves us. I heard a girl say one time, don't you dare tell me that God loves me again. And that saddened me so much because I heard her hurt in that statement because she was trying to comprehend it up here, and she had obviously been hurt by other people. You cannot comprehend it up here. Dare to throw the checklist out. Dare to receive him in your spirit. He calls you friend. Everything that we're celebrating right now, everything that we're remembering in the Easter season, it was so he could have a relationship with you. He's not a vending machine. He's not a means to an end. And even though that would never be my heart, if we're not careful and we don't cast that care and we let that care get really loud, we can fall into that. And don't be too hard on yourself. Just talk to him. If that happens, just talk to him. Retire, withdraw, and yield Give it to him and then be his hands and feet. Don't accept the lie of the enemy. that You haven't done enough or that you've done something too bad to be forgiven. You are forgiven and you are loved. Amen. Repeat after me. He calls me friend. He calls me friend. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. He's with you all day, every day. And going into that meeting or whatever it is that you're doing, doing laundry, talk to him. It's really that simple. He'll show you. It's really that beautiful. He'll show you. He calls you friend. Praise God. Praise God.